In this episode, we're going to hear three very weird and strange encounters. But before we get to the stories, I want to mention there are two new channels of mine that you should definitely check out. The first is Donovan Dread 2, where I release the same great content, just a little shorter in length. Then there's Dread Captures, where we analyze various encounters that were captured on video, that were sent in to us, or that are available online. So if you're digging my content, make sure to hit that subscribe button, and I'll keep narrating these creepy encounters. Now let's get to the stories. When I think back on this experience, it seems like something completely surreal that couldn't possibly have happened. But listening to some of the other things I hear on this channel reminds me that I'm not crazy. I grew up in Kentucky on a horse breeding farm, so my love of horses runs deep. When I was out of high school, I knew that I wanted to pursue something that involved working with those horses. A lot of my friends wanted to go into veterinary medicine, but that didn't sound right for me. I knew I wanted to work in more of an outdoor setting. I decided to take a year off before starting college, and while I was traveling around the country, I came across something that sounded perfect for me. I was visiting Yosemite National Park and found out they had mounted park rangers. It sounded like a dream come true to ride horses around most of the day. I ended up taking the coursework to become a law enforcement ranger, and then eventually I was able to get a position at Yosemite as a mounted patrol ranger. Since I had extensive experience with horses, a big part of my job involved caring for them and training them. It was great as I thought it would be. The horses are involved in a lot of different aspects of the park, especially law enforcement and search and rescue. Some of them are also used in educational programs. Also, visitors can hire some of them for backcountry riding. My days started really early, usually around 6 a.m. I would have to get there early to groom them and feed them. They would usually be looking out for me and expecting their measure of oats and their flakes of hay. A flake of hay is just what we call a portion of the bale. The portions are measured out so that we know how much they're getting. One morning, I was half asleep, and I went out to fling hay over the fences. I got surprised by the sound of geese flapping around the horse trough. I had never seen them over there before, so I wasn't expecting all of that honking and flapping first thing. I had to take a quick pause to gather myself while I kept tossing the hay. For the first time, I noticed the horses hadn't come toward me to get that hay that they were usually whining for. They were just staying huddled together under the shelter. I went over to the gate so that I could go inside and check on them. The gate latch had been getting rusty, so I had been securing it with a piece of wire. But I saw that the wire was missing, and the gate was open about an inch, as if something had gained access. That really had me worried because there was no way someone would have come out there earlier than me. I went over to the horses to give them some nose rubs, which they usually love, but I could see that they were feeling pretty nervous. I had brought the oats in with me and held out some in my hand, but the horses wouldn't touch it. Weirdly, the geese were still hanging around out by the horse's water trough. I couldn't understand what they were doing in the horse corral. I started feeling a little creeped out. I went back out of the gate and started looking around, and my eyes caught some movement. It looked like something detached itself from the landscape behind the stables. I saw this huge thing appear. It had a very large head that, I kid you not, reminded me of a dinosaur. No hair, 
just a big lizardy head. It was standing on two legs. It turned toward me and looked right at me. It had these reptilian yellow eyes. All I remember about its face were the eyes and the sharp teeth. Like I said, I was standing upright, and it was probably about six or seven feet tall. I was about 30 feet away from it, and it was hard to tell, but it looked like it had grayish, scaly skin. When it locked eyes on me, it reacted. It kind of shifted, or like took a little step to the side, like it was surprised that I had seen it. This feeling of fear and dread washed over me, and it was paralyzing. I can still feel the feeling of my heart beating like crazy in my chest. I have never felt fear like that in my life since. I also felt a heaviness in my head. I don't know how to describe it any other way. The thing felt evil. After being immobilized by fear for what seemed like forever, but was probably only about 10 seconds, I turned and ran back to the horses. I would have run the hell away from there, but my first instinct was to protect the animals. As soon as I did that, it turned and ran up the hill, faster than anything I've ever seen. I eventually sounded the alarm and some other rangers showed up. They wanted to follow after it on horseback, but the horses wouldn't go. I'd never seen them disobey like that, and they wouldn't eat for hours after that. I cannot imagine what that thing wanted. It couldn't have been after the oats and the hay. When I thought about the possibility that it had gotten in the gate and gone near them, I just felt sick. But I looked them over really carefully, and they seemed physically unharmed. We started locking the horses inside the stable at night after that. Of course, when I went to make my report, they tried to get me to think I saw a mountain lion or something. But no effing way was that a normal creature. This is embarrassing, but we should probably get it out of the way. It's important to the story, I think. I used to go by Monster Bone 75. I realize now that it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I've since changed my username. If you were a part of any online cryptid forums in the mid to late 2000s, though, you might recognize that name. You might remember seeing MonsterBone75 on AOL Instant Messenger with an away message that accused your favorite cryptid of needing to use my house phone. The limitations of dial-up internet would make for its own horror story, don't you think? For years, I went by bones on the online cryptid communities. I wasn't anyone's favorite person, though. I was a skeptic. I was never saying, I found the bones, or... I know the bones are out there. I was the guy asking the question, if these species really do exist, where are their bones? It didn't earn me the greatest reputation. It cost me a few friends, I'm sure. I got addicted to shutting down the theories of others. I'd log in to comb the boards for questions from curious newcomers or for encounter stories from the most reputable of our members. I'd spend an hour, sometimes hours, cramming my skepticism into my keyboard and across the web. That behavior got me banned from a few locations. I didn't care. Getting kicked out of those communities felt like a trophy at the time. You can see why, all these years later, admitting to all of that might be a little embarrassing, especially since I've seen the bones myself. I had the opportunity to hike to Crater Lake in the spring of 2018. I'm not from the Pacific Northwest, so the chance to see a new part of the country at my age, wasn't something I could just pass up. It might be the single most beautiful part of the United States. The clarity of the water, 
history of the collapsed volcano that formed the lake beds. It's magical. The last thing on my mind when we set up camp three miles northeast of Cleetwood Cave was the years that I had wasted harassing conspiracy theorists on the internet. I was still entranced by the beauty of the world around us. Then, after sunset, I was hypnotized all over again by the sea of stars that waited for us. My friend and I spent a long while by the campfire before retiring to our tents. The ground was pretty stiff, but it was still easy for me to sleep. We'd learn later that we both woke around the same time. There was this low growl outside of my tent. I could barely hear it, but I could feel it in my chest. I woke and the hairs on my arms were already standing on end. Something heavy shifted its feet in the dirt outside my tent. I heard slow breathing and a heavy snort. I read about what to do in a bear attack. I couldn't remember a single word at that moment. If it was a bear, I thought, I was done for. Even when I was stricken by that fear, I felt this trip was worth it. At least I got to see Crater Lake, I remember thinking. Then came the sound of a few quick strides. The low growl, the breathing, it was all suddenly gone. I didn't hear the animal's feet hit the ground more than three times, and it had still cleared our camp completely. There was no sign of it among the trees when I unzipped my tent and stepped outside. My friend was out there too. It was his ghost-white expression that drew my attention to the dirt. I followed his eyes, and I found it. All around our campsite was patterns of tracks, shaped like a foot of a man or an ape. One print was so close to the entrance of my tent that I could already compare it to the size of my own feet. I could stand heel to toe and still not cover that whole track. All of my years as a skeptic came rushing back to me. I imagine, as I looked down at the impossible footprint, that I was overcome by the same compulsion that motivated all those believers on those message boards. I needed to know. My friend had already started packing up. I ran in the direction of those tracks instead. I tried to stay low and quiet, but if I'm being honest, I'm no hunter. I'm sure the beast knew I was coming. If that's the case, then it let me close in. I spotted it between the trees. The hulking hairy shape was illuminated well by the sky full of stars. I ducked behind this tree and hoped that the trunk would protect me from any sort of retaliation. To my surprise, the massive ape-like thing didn't turn to face me. It was staring at the ground, working a crooked tree branch across the ground like a rake. Seeing the animal use a tool was terrifying enough. That meant it couldn't be far from human. I crept in a circle around the animal, scaling a short hill to get a better view of the dirt it was tilling. That was when I realized what the monster was doing. There was another one. Whatever this massive ape-like creature was, it wasn't an anomaly. There was another one of those beasts, laying in a grave at the feet of the monster I'd followed. Tools and burial rituals. My heart dropped into my stomach. I ran again this time back toward the campsite. There was a roar behind me. Was it a roar or a howl? I couldn't have imagined it. It started low, then rose into this shrill three barking yelps, and then it trailed off. The sound spread a heat in my gut like lightning. I was sure the animal was going to follow me back and punish me for what I had seen. It wasn't until we were in the car that I told my friend what was out there. He didn't believe me. I went online and tried to share my story. 
As you can imagine, I wasn't the most reliable source of new information. I'm writing you now to explain, to a present theory that maybe you haven't considered. All these sightings of cryptids, I know you've asked the same questions that I have. Maybe we haven't found that single piece of irrefutable proof, because they're smart enough to hide it from us. Small towns come with their own dirty little secrets, and my hometown is no different. Located about 30 minutes south of Oklahoma City, a tiny blink-and-you'll-miss-it type of town exists. Slaughterville is literally a convenience store, a few housing additions, and like four intersections big. But it's home to crazy, insane stories like the one I'm about to tell you. No one ever really wants to talk about this to outside people. We get tired of getting laughed and made fun of. I'm going to tell you anyway. Believe me if you want, but at least hear me out. It was back in 2015. I had just moved back, and I was staying with my aunt and her family while I was looking for my own place. I wasn't thrilled with staying in Slaughterville, but beggars can't be choosers, or whatever the saying is. I enjoyed being outside during the day. It was always fun to watch the kids on dirt bikes and four-wheelers race up and down the red dirt road. But after dark, that is a whole other monster, and one I didn't enjoy. We spent most of our time hanging out on the porch, laughing at the shenanigans and watching the kids play. But once the sun started to set, we all headed back inside and hid out. We avoided the outside as much as we could after dark. On this night in particular, my girlfriend drove down to see me. I asked her to be there before dark, but her work held her up. I wasn't overly comfortable with hanging out in the car after dark, but I went ahead and gave in. We had been outside for about 45 minutes when I could feel the energy around us change. The air got thick and felt electric. I shifted uncomfortably in my seat. I was getting really anxious. Of course, she just kept talking. She had no idea the kind of weird things that happened out here especially after dark. I kept looking around the car as she chatted. I was trying to follow along, but honestly, I was distracted. I was really anxious. Something was off. I watched in horror as a young woman appeared in front of our car. She was gorgeous and wore this old hospital gown. She looked completely normal, except for the fact that she was glowing faintly. I gasped and pointed ahead of us out of the window. My girlfriend covered her mouth and watched as this girl floated closer to the car until she was right in front of the bumper. We just watched silently as she raised her arm and reached behind her head. She pulls out this giant knife from her back and it was stained red. I looked at my girlfriend in the seat next to me and grabbed her. I knew that nothing was going to happen to us, but I was still terrified. She kept her eyes glued to the spot in front of us. I turned back around and watched as this girl looked at us and started crying. She was begging for our help. My girlfriend started to open the door to get out, but I grabbed it and yanked it shut. We could not get out and interact with whatever this thing was. As the girl realized that we weren't going to help, she got angry, and the tears stopped. She pointed the knife at us and started screaming, but the screams were wrong. They came in waves, and I had to let go of the door and cover my ears. We stayed in the car, listening to this girl scream at us until she simply vanished. One second she was there, and the next she was gone. My girlfriend looked at me, eyes wide and panicked. 
I just reached out and pulled her into a hug. I was freaked out, even though I knew what happened out there. I couldn't imagine how she was feeling. We decided that maybe it was time for her to wrap up her visit and for her to head back to the city. We said our goodbyes, and I made sure that I let her know not to stop for any hitchhikers on the way out of town. Don't even stop if you see someone walking on the road. Just drive by them. Picking up hitchhikers isn't safe in general, but definitely not out here. She agreed and she headed home, but it was only five minutes before I got a frantic call. She was clearly panicking as she told me that at the stop sign there was an older woman in a gown walking toward her car. I told her to lock their doors and not to look at her, just drive. I stayed on the phone with her, trying to calm her down. Once she had turned out of the neighborhood and back onto the road to the highway, she noticed a black shadow following her. I let her know, just keep driving, but my blood ran cold. I could hear the fear in her voice as she told me whatever it was behind them was keeping up, even as they sped back to the highway. I promised to stay on the phone even as she went in and out of service, making sure that I kept my voice calm. I know the creatures that live out here, but this figure didn't make sense to me. As she described it to me, I tried to keep as calm as I could. It was a black shadow with no eyes. It appeared in the shape of a tall man, seven or eight feet tall, and was fast. She was easily doing 80, and this thing was constantly in a rearview mirror. It followed her until she hit Norman city limits, when it growled low and deep and suddenly disappeared. And only then did we feel safe enough to hang up. We still don't know exactly what followed her, but she isn't the only one to experience being followed. I have so many more stories I could tell, but we will just leave it with this one for now. Thanks for watching and let me know what you think of these stories in the comments below. Don't forget that you can listen to my episodes on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. I try to upload every single day on this channel and on Donovan Dread 2, where I release shorter content. Same great encounters, just a little bit shorter. Also, if you want to see crazy encounters captured on trail cams, then check out Dread Captures. It's part of the Dread Network, where we go over live footage of very strange encounters that are sent into the Facebook group or videos that are circulating on the web. Last but certainly not least, check out Lilith Dread. She releases the same great content daily on her channel. You'll find all of these links below. Thanks and take care.